Hi guys and welcome to this episode of the Comedy Defects Podcast. Hooray! My name is Winter Fonander and this is my show. Welcome to episode 39 with Martin Huber. Now Martin is a really good friend of mine. I met him at the Fringe a few years ago where he had to cut it short, which you'll hear about in this pod. And Martin's name, Martin Huber, and I butchered it completely when I was interviewing him live and I had to do it about four times. So you might hear that. You might thought it was a second time, but no, it was four times. Got his name wrong four times, guys? Yeah, it happens, okay? Martin Huber is his name for episode 39. Very funny guy. He's got a show at the moment, which he's touring called Tip Tonight. And he's going to probably take that to the Edinburgh Fringe this year. He's also writing a book about his past job before he started comedy. We'll talk about that in this show as well. And that book is called Poison, an Infectious Adventure. What has been happening with me though? Well, I tell you, I've started up karate again and I've started injuring my body, nearly broke my toe, uh, sore ribs and uh, got an elbow to the mouth today. It was great. It was great. It was lucky. kept all my teeth. Happy about that. Very happy about that. Follow this podcast on Twitter. We're there at The Comedy Defect. You can follow me at Winter Phonander. Now I've got a preview for my show called Tolerance, which I'm previewing around the country. You can see the dates for those previews, times, locations on my website, which is winterphonander.com. And a friend of mine, you might have heard him on the podcast, Danny Clives, is doing my website as we speak. I can't wait to see what he's going to do with my new website. And then you'll see it, all the dates, all the previews, all the gigs up there on that brand new website. Way. You can also find the jokes, which I gleaned from the Guinness Encyclopedia. They're on Twitter. And the headline for that is the book Dad Read. And the handle for that is at Guinness Jokes. All the jokes are there. Go read them. Go share them. Go like them. Retweet them. Hey, why not? You can also support this podcast. You can go to Patreon, type in The Comedy Defect Podcast, and you can donate a monthly donation as little as a pound or as much as you want, as whatever you feel this podcast is worth. And guys, look, those of you that do donate, thank you very much. You're paying for the people that can't. And those of you that can't donate, do you know what? Just share your favorite episode. Like it, share it, tell your friends about it because it tells people where we are and what we are doing. And thanks for listening, guys. I really appreciate some of the comments, some of the shout-outs I've gotten for each episode. It's much appreciated. That's all I'm going to say for the intro for this podcast. It is the very funny, very likable West Midland comedian, Mr. Martin Huburn. Enjoy. Martin <laughs> Huburn. Huber. Ah! Martin right, Huburn. Right, I'm going right. to get to this, oh, right? right. Is yeah. You get introduced to the stage by an MC, and they haven't done their research, and it's, welcome to the stage, Martin Huburn. And it's like, no. No, the accents on the U. Come on, you should know this Huber. as well. Martin Huber. Yeah, right, you wouldn't go time. up. Fourth you wouldn't time. go up to someone and call Mr. Hughes and call him Mr. Hugues, would you? That's it. You wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 but like, no, Martin Huburn, welcome to the Comedy Defect. Hello! Man. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate you meeting me here in this uh, in this car park, which we are making the best of. No one's going to stop us yet. We'll see what happens, you know. Do is is you meet here regularly? Yeah, usually flash the lights. Good to go. Nice. That's, uh, well, well, welcome to the Midlands. Mm. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks. It's a pleasure to be back. You're, you're, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. We're not too far from Cannock Chase, so oh, yeah. uh, after this... We, we can, can do some can... real light flashing. Oh, great. Uh, light flashing. Okay, cool. Not, apart from heavy flashing. So, like heavy petting and, it's and like soft heavy, petting. Heavy, heavy petting and soft flashing. Okay. And that's... Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, how have you been, man? I haven't seen you in a while, man. I know, yeah. It's, did, you, um, did you show the... What was it called again, that Tip show? Tonight. Tip Tonight. Tip Tonight. Yeah, no, yeah. Tip Tonight was a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. I'm hoping to continue with that a lot of fun again right. this year so yeah Are you, did you tour that at the fringe or not last year I'm planning on to 
doing the fringe this year. Mm. I've put my application in. I'm just waiting on people to go. Mm. Yeah, we we want your show. So yeah, yeah that that's where I'm at. Where did you tour it? You just did you just preview all the place? Yeah, I'd done was nine previews in the end, which were mm. full full forty minute previews. Mm. And I started up at the road at Wolverhampton at the Lighthouse, and I had twenty five people in. Mm. And it was just weird, though. Mm. It, they weren't laughers at all. And then I done... Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. You're like, 25 people. That's pretty good for a show. You know, just for a, pre- for a preview. And, I was, and then... Yeah. I was so excited, because I'm outside, and there's, there's like a little cobbled area at the lighthouse, and the actual show was in the cafe area. Mm. And it probably holds about 35 to 40 tops. And I saw, like, 25 people, and I'm like, oh, this is... I'm absolutely buzzing. They've gone with the first couple of lines, first couple of jokes... The person laughing the hardest was an 85-year-old woman. And she come up to me at the end of the show. She says, I really enjoyed your show, but I wish you'd done more than five minutes of material Mm. about Tipton. And then put £5 in my bucket. Mm. So if I'd have done 40 minutes of Tipton material, I'd have been rich. Yeah, she'd have pounded a minute, man. That's exactly. amazing. That's like 45 quid. That's not bad at I know, all. Man. But she was, out of probably about four people, mm. one of only four people laughing out of a whole room of 25. It like, was just awkward. What was it? Was it with students or what? what kind of no, no. The, uh, the demographic, believe it or not, were probably over 50. Maybe out of the 25, maybe three people of my age bracket, between 30 to 40. Mm age bracket and everyone else was over 50 hmm. it, it was weird and it was like uh, i hope this isn't kind of like a running trend i run it out at birmingham for birmingham comedy festival and i had seven in they were laughers and right. they were again they were my age demographic but then the more i took it you could see that the show was actually encouraging more older mature people it was kind of nice Nottingham Comedy Festival was Mm. surreal that was a broad mix but again the majority of the people there were over 50 and it was kind of weird because that's not the normal demographic evidently that that's the type of people that want to see a show about somebody from the West Midlands I don't understand that I don't understand that kind of like Uh, the first one was the awkward one everything else seemed to kind of fall into place but yeah it was just that one I think they just got dragged in by somebody and was Mm -hmm. like oh there's going to be a comedy night and just come and support kind of thing and a a lot of my material is aimed to those between 30 and 40 there's Mm. there's quite a lot of I guess let's let's say cliches from the 80s mm-hmm. you know so it, it's more aimed at people in our age group mm-hmm. there's a, there's a lot of cultural references mm-hmm. of them a lot of the old people just didn't quite get it but for some strange reason they were attracted to this this flyer that I yeah. put together and obviously the name of the show and thought oh this would be good mm. no 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 yeah. no it's not for you um, yeah. um, surprise the, the weirdest that's the first one in it got, that's, the, that's the first preview right yeah, it's going to be a little bit ropey and it's going to be difficult to kind of get the, the rhythm and the, and, the, and the pace down and stuff for it when was the next preview after that the next preview was Birmingham Comedy Festival and, when, and how many days following that was it did you kind of like roll it out again go yeah I mean it show? was uh, it was within a couple of weeks. Whoa. It was yeah. It was within a couple of weeks. Not a stressful fretting before. Yeah, but I, I enjoy it. I yeah. I really enjoyed it because mm. I'd done a lot of tours with the wrestling because I used to be a professional yeah. wrestler. So tours is like it, it's second nature to me. Right. I just kind of fall into stuff. Yeah. So I enjoy the promotion. I enjoy the performance aspect of it. Because you never know what you're going to get. Every mm. everything's different. And like I said, with Birmingham, it was a smaller. 
a smaller audience, but it was more intimate. It was nice. Mm. People were on board with what I was doing, mm. and it was a hundred times better. I'd, mm. I'll take that seven people over twenty-five mm. every day, as long as that seven people are laughers. Yeah, I used to be a professional wrestler. Used to be a professional. Amazing, wrestler. right? So, like, like, how come you weren't more shouty then? Oh, welcome to the show. Whoa, my name is Martin Hubburn. I, I leave, I leave the shouting to you. Hubern. Yeah, Hubburn. Hubburn, yeah, come on, put so, the accent back on sorry. you. Hubburn. Um, <laughs> now, when I first started, I, w- I was quite ranty and quite mm. shouty. Mm. And I'd done a gig in Birmingham at a place called the Slug and Lettuce. And I'd mm. done this 10-minute structured rant. By the time I'd got to the crescendo, right in the middle at about six or seven minutes, you could see people on the front row absolutely terrified. Totally. And I was like, no, this isn't yeah. this isn't my kind of humour. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is, but I can see that I can't convey it. They're not wanting a wrestler to stand up on stage <laughs> and go... Yeah. And it just... <laughs> totally. <laughs> so Are you I started ready? raining it in a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah, fair. Are you ready? Not really. Not really ready at all for this. No, totally, totally terrified now. Uh, did you have a good night? I think so. I changed my knickers twice. Well, I thought I was wearing boxer shorts when I came out, but now apparently I'm wearing knickers. What was your name? Did you have? A, it was poison. poison. Yeah, I was. I was wrestling for best part of 15 years. Wow. In fact, actually, I'm in the process of writing my wrestling mm. autobiography. There's lots of little bits that are, are quite fresh. I moved over to the US when I was 22, so I went and spent the best part of six years stateside as well, so I was wrestling over there with a lot of lot of the names from years gone by and mm. it was it was just a fantastic go experience. on drop a few of those bad boys um, go on new jack if if, if any of your listeners are right. into like ecw so new yeah. jack roadkill easy money kid cash i mean the list goes on and on mm. cw anderson from the old nwa mid-atlantic and wcw era uh, there was Lodi, there was colonel robert parker there was sherry martel there was right. i mean literally the list does go on and on uh, from the old glory days of the wwe which mm. was the wwf there was warlord barbarian again sherry martel there was a lot of crossover mm. there what was your pre-match routine do you have like a, a ritual or something i guess it's a i mean it, i'm saying routine but like was there a ritual because some of this stuff you could get really seriously injured couldn't you yeah i mean it's, it's a full contact entertainment so there's a lot of chore- choreography that goes into it we we all know that and there's there's a lot of wrestlers that will probably really slate me for for saying these things live and and the thing is it is entertainment vince mcmahon killed that preconception many many years ago mm. it's a full contact entertainment there's choreography unfortunately as you know with choreography a live event these things can go mm. desperately horribly wrong mm-hmm. and and so very often because the amount of adre- you know the mm. amount of adrenaline and uh, testosterone that's going totally. on these things frequently mm. go wrong mm. the, the risk real when it comes to preparation it, it all depends on the venue mm. if if you're at an armory, because we used to do a lot of wrestling shows at the... Bases uh, sort of thing. Yeah, it, not quite a, an, an army base, but mm. like an army barracks. Yeah. With most of the army barracks, they had a gym, so I'd go and I'd probably do an hour's worth mm. of, of, of iron and then, mm. you know, start start working through my match with whoever I was wrestling at the time. With high schools, you don't usually get access to the mm. gym, so it's usually play cards or mm. play solitaire or... Mm. You know, you, you'll you'll have video games. You'll listen to music. You put your your earphones in. You kind of get into the zone. Mm. You get mm. into the show show zone. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, it really depends on the venue and mm. where your head's at at that moment in yeah. time. So, what was the tune you had? Poison on. Alice Cooper. Cool. And like your uniform. I've seen a, a picture of it. Yeah, on, that's, it, on... again, it depends what had come out of the wash first. I had one that was black <laughs> and green. I had one that's purple and green, one that's yeah. blue and white, one that's black and white. I've had a, an all purple. I've had an all red. So it, it depends mm. what what had come out in the wash. Yeah. If I was wrestling three or four days a week, I'd have one for, mm. you know. So it, it, it all depends. Yeah. Uh, which had come out of the bag first, yeah. and I'd go, yeah, okay, that'll, yeah, cool. that'll and, do. And when it went on, on, on to, into the ring and stuff, with all that much adrenaline, man, like there's that, there's that slight, you know, when you're messing about with your mates and that, there's always that one twist too far that you go oh oh no no this isn't this isn't playing anymore this is serious this shit has just got real now isn't it and, and that stuff happens and yeah? it does happen it it happens less frequently hmm. when you're working with people you know but yeah. when you when you get somebody that you don't know or you haven't wrestled yeah. with before unfortunately that's when the mistakes start happening mm-hmm. and then unfortunately because you don't know one another there is a level of animosity totally. and you've got these it, yeah, it, it can start getting it can start getting very awkward mm. very quickly, mm. and unfortunately, th- these things these these things happen yeah. I mean, more that... more often than not with me. Yeah, <laughs> I it... was wrestling someone I didn't know. Yeah, and you're like, oh, you're like, uh, you're like kind of like hit me with that chair, no problem. <laughs> oh, Twice oh, you hit me with two yeah and a table. Oh, okay, oh, okay, okay, we're improving this shit. Okay, great. In fact. In Virginia, Virginia is what's known as a no-blood state. Right. right. In, in Virginia, you used to have to have an actual license to wrestle. Oh. You'd have to go to the, the, mm. the Commonwealth state and you'd get the, the wrestling and boxing commission to sign off. Mm. So every year, you'd have to go for a medical. Mm. And you weren't allowed to bleed in the in the shows in, in Virginia, Whoa. not whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And there was one guy I was wrestling. He just stunk. Mm. I mean, oh. he never washed his gear. He oh. was just a proper redneck, like, mm. I, I mean, deliverance. Mm. He's next level. Mm. And I used to do this move where I'd tie him up in the tree of woe, which is upside down in the corner, so their legs would mm. be crossed on the top rope. Yeah. And then I'd put the chair in front of them and then hit the turnbuckle behind me and then drop mm. kick the chair. Well... I picked up the most jaggedest of chairs. I mean, you could see that he'd been mm. used a few times. Yeah. And, I mean, it lacerated him. Oh, no. I mean, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, they stopped the match instantly. And they yeah. were like, oh, blah, blah. And I really got worried that we were going to take my license off me. Oh, yeah. And most of my wrestling back in the first couple of years of the mm. States was in Virginia. Right. So I made a lot of money in Virginia. Mm. And I was like, that might not have been a good move. Yeah, man. <laughs> wow. But I got away with it. I got away with it. The money back then, though. I mean, I remember it was, it was in the 80s. No, the 90s. Uh, no, early thousands, early, so, uh, thousands, early, right, right. early noughties, sorry. Right, okay, cool. Got to sound all hip. For... Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you toured all around, like, just, just Virginia, really, was it mostly? or I lived in North Carolina, so right. there were a lot of shows in North Carolina. Virginia, there was a, there's a lot of wrestling shows in Virginia, mm. like independent organisations. If you can wrestle, I mean, if, you, if you've actually got a talent, you, you, you'll never be out of work, mm. especially in Virginia, especially in Tennessee. Mm because there's that many different wrestling organisations mm-hmm. all set up. One will see you and they're like, oh, come and wrestle for me this Friday mm-hmm. and Saturday. And then the next one will go, oh, can you come and wrestle for me next Friday and Saturday? So you'd constantly back home, back mm-hmm. out, back home, mm-hmm. back out. So it, it, it was a constant kind of... Yeah rotation really you must have got injured as well a few times oh yeah yeah like what was the worst injury you had i've i've had two concussions that were 
pretty pretty yeah. bad. The worst injury I was in the process of trying out for TNA. It was NWA TNA then. Mm. Just before my tryouts, I was wrestling a guy called Robert Roma, mm. and one of the moves I used to have is I'd, I'd hold both the legs, so they'd be on the back. So I've got mm. both of the legs in my hands. And I'd throw the one leg to the side and I'd do a massive elbow drop over the mm. top of one of, it, of mm. the legs. Now, the, the technique to actually taking it is as the guy's coming down, you bend at the knee mm. so it looks like yeah. it's... Well, he didn't. He kept his legs straight. So as I've come down, his legs still bolt upright mm-hmm. and I've popped out two of my ribs oh. from my sternum. Mm. So that didn't break. The, the cartilage was that soft mm. that two of the ribs popped out. So I could see this lump oh. protruding out of my chest. And I was like, that's not supposed to be like that. <laughs> but the thing is, is it wins you as well? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, the pain is ten oh. times worse than a broken rib. Oh, uh, and I ended up having to pop it back in oh. in the middle of a match. And I'm literally gasping for air. But because it's mm. right before tryouts, I'm having to suck it up. And mm. we're still having to wrestle the match. Oh. Six weeks it took for that injury to recover. Oh man, that's, it was horrible. That, every time you breathe, you can feel that as well. Any damage to the ribs are like horrible, and it? it's like, oh, you wake up in the morning. Oh, I'm awake now, definitely that's, awake. And the the worst thing is with that is you can't lift weights at all because mm. every time you lift weights, it pops. Yeah, of course. Uh, it, it was horrible. Oh, I, I was, after about three or four weeks, I went I went and tried back down in the gym. Mm. Um, I was doing shoulder work, so I was doing military presses mm-hmm. and. I, I really started to mm. start pushing. My rib oh. went. No, you oh. can't put that weight on it. It was horrible. I love the thread throughout the like. You had a couple of names you dropped there earlier on about like the barbarian mm-hmm. and like the the move, the tree of woe. All of them massive references to the Conan the Barbarian, the film. Right. And it's like, like when Thulsa Doom says, "Put him on the tree of woe," and he's like, you know, with Arnie and like, you've seen that film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's one of my favorite films. That is one of my favorites. Steroids must have been massive back then, was it? Uh, uh, was can, it? Can I can I, can I say this? I'll be honest. Around the, the local independent mm. circuit. Not so much. But the more you start climbing the ladder, Mm. the more common it comes. Mm. And the closer you get to the top, the more people are using it. Yeah, of course. So um, I'm I'm, I'm not going to point fingers in regards to who's using and who's Mm, doing what. Because everyone usually keeps that quiet. But yeah, the the closer you get to the top, Mm. the more people are using it. Exactly. You need to stay in top physical condition. Exactly. And the thing is, if, if you look at other sports... Football is nine months a year. Mm. American football, I think that's like five months a year. Mm. Wrestling is still the only thing that goes all the way around the clock. It's 365 Sick. days a year. Yeah. And, and most of the touring wrestlers are on the road for at least a good portion of that. So two-thirds mm. to maybe three-quarters of 365 days on the road. Constantly flying, constantly travelling, constantly having to look after the body, constantly mm. putting all that brute force and ignorance on the mm. body. They've got to do something to look after it. Uh, I understand why steroids are so readily available and so many wrestlers towards the top end use as, as many performance-enhancing drugs mm. as possible. Yeah, I mean, the um, body just isn't meant to take that much punishment, is it, really? No, not at all. Mm. I mean, if, if you look at how many how many wrestlers die young, and when they do the, the coronary reports and the tox reports, mm. most of them have got 
high-level painkillers in. Because you've got to get from place to place. You've got to get from day to day. Steroid abuse, mm. narcotics mm. such as cocaine mm. and amphetamines, it, it, it's all there. Mm. And it's literally to keep wrestlers going 365 yeah. days a year because they don't take time off. Did you have a following when you were like... In Tennessee, I had a great following. I used to be a villain or a a Uh heel, as they're called in wrestling. The thing is, in Tennessee, I could not get over as a heel. Every time I'd go over as a heel, they'd Mm. pop for me anyway. So all of a sudden, you're making the audience turn heel with you. So a lot of the independents in the Tennessee Territory Mm. would book me as a babyface. A place called Johnson City, which is on... East east side of, of Tennessee. I, I had a, a very, very good following, very mm. strong following. I was putting a lot of very, very strong feuds because I was quite a scientific wrestler. I'd mm. done a lot of high flying. So that kind of brand of, of wrestling was slightly different mm. to the, the slightly slapstick element that you yeah. get in Tennessee. Mm. And they saw a more serious, more cutting-edge style mm. of the stars that were in Tennessee. Mm. Because in Tennessee at the time, you had Easy Money was quite a big name in East Tennessee. You had Kid Cash. You had Chris Hamrick. These were guys that really could wrestle. Mm-hmm. They, they weren't just your ham and eggers. They weren't mm-hmm. there punch-kick, punch-kick, mm-hmm. punch-kick, throw a clothesline. Yeah. There, was, there was an art to wrestling. Mm-hmm. And if you had a certain art to wrestling about you... Mm-hmm. They loved you in East Tennessee. Mm. So because I portrayed that and I had the accent and I had this cheekiness and, mm. and this little bit of a swagger about me, mm. it does. It develops a, a following. So, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. But, uh, did you have a mailing list back then? I didn't need oh, one, if mate, I'm honest. I, I kind of... I, I really should have plugged into that. Oh, um, if only you like, kept had a, started the main list then, eh? I know. Like, hey, look, I'm, it's poison. I'm, yeah. I'm doing comedy now, guys. <laughs> look, look, I've got all this thing. Like, I won't do it in the, in, in the, in the uniform, but like, I'll do it in like, yeah, that's fine. But I mean, that makes everyone feel pretty awkward anyway. When I, <laughs> sitting, you know, staring them out, you know. You know, this is the thing is, you know, I've, I've tried to re-establish a lot of my old contacts mm. from when... Because I wrestled yeah. here for, for the you know for nine of the the 15 16 years yeah so i'm trying to re-establish a lot of contacts but it's kind of it's as if the wrestling world has kind of forgot who i ever was yeah. and it, it's, it's kind of horrible because i was a bigger name in the u.s than i, I was here mm-hmm. i was kind of I, I guess i was the acdc or the deaf leopard cool. of, of wrestling yeah i was actually bigger Mm. Not in my own hometown. Well, it's yeah. kind of it sucks to be me. To be yeah, fair, yeah. it's just oh, guys, I'm back. Do you remember? Oh, okay, everything's no, moved on no, now. That's, that's it. That's yeah, exactly. It. Hey, man, you've a neck. That's not right. Wrestlers don't have necks. Yeah. No, but no, but it was different. It was different back then. We weren't all. Oh, oh fuck it. Never mind. <laughs> but it's like, uh, but like, yeah. So you're writing your your biography. Now. Yeah, I'm I'm writing my autobiography. What are you calling it? It's called Poison: oh, An Infectious Adventure of Great. a Professional Wrestler. And it's pretty much looking at my life story from, you know, every kid should have a dream. Mm. I, I, I don't care what it is. And aspire to follow that dream. And I, I grew up not knowing really what I wanted to do. I, I, was, I was quite good at my academics, which mm. I know it's hard to believe now. But mm. I was, like, really good at maths and English and core subjects. I mean... I, I, I passed my 11 plus. I, d- I decided not to go to grammar school because none of my friends had passed the 11 plus and it was like, oh, I don't want to do that yeah. for. So I didn't really know what I wanted to do. In fact, like most kids that grew up during the 80s, mm. I had a massive obsession with BA and the A team. Mm-hmm. So teachers thought I was either going to be A, 
an engineer, mm. or B, a terrorist. They weren't too sure which way it was going to go. Yeah. And I guess they got it both wrong. Mm. Then I moved into like secondary school and I had the passion of football mm. and, and American football. And I started getting more into sports and practical stuff. And, and I was like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. Don't know what I want to do. And, and then football kind of became a major passion, but I was never good enough. I was a really good goalkeeper, but my height stunned at 5'9 mm. when mm. I was about 15. So I, I, I didn't really get into that six foot range to become mm. a professional goalkeeper. And I was kind of like, I don't know what I want to do, I don't know what I want to do. And then a friend of mine introduced me to a WWF pay-per-view. And I was like, oh, mm. I know somebody that goes to a wrestling school. Mm. And I was like, oh, let's let's see if we can kind of find a way of chasing this dream. And then yeah. that it kind of become a thing. Wrestling actually become a thing. It was towards the back end of the downfall of the British era. Mm. American wrestling started really taking off big. Mm. All the wrestlers that were over here were still transitioning from the old British style rounds, the uh, yeah, the, the boring wrestling. Mm. I don't want to say this, it's going to offend any wrestlers that listen and go, it was boring. From a 15 year old that's just saw drop kicks galore and all this, this glitz, the glamour, mm. the hype, the hyperbole of professional American wrestling. The British wrestling thing does not look appealing anymore. Mm. It isn't until you actually start becoming a real fan of wrestling that you understand and appreciate British wrestling mm. and the art that went into that. This whole attraction of, of American wrestling, it was like, oh. mm. and that there really wasn't many British wrestlers doing that American style yet. I was kind of, I was in that first swath of wrestlers, mm -hmm. British wrestlers that were doing the American style rather than just you know, shunning the British yeah, stuff. Yeah. And you had all the old British wrestlers going, no, it's this way. And we're mm. like, nah, mm. nah, this is what's making the money. Yeah. So unfortunately, then that all started to dwindle out until sort of Ring of Honor happened in America, which is, it, it's more pure wrestling. Mm. It's, it's, it's old school wrestling with a, with a new school format. Mm. And as soon as that started breaking out in America, again, Everywhere else went, no, this is what we should be doing. We should be doing this strong style wrestling, this more pure wrestling. And and then you start to get an appreciation for the old world of sports stuff mm. and how that was done and how wrestlers was were originally taught to look after themselves. Mm. You're the antagonist to start with until you became the baby face, you said. Well, and then and then you're like, so you come on, like, I'm a poison. <laughs> Give it up a poison. Well, when, I, when I first started wrestling, I was about 12 stone. Mm. So I, I, weren't, I weren't a massive, I weren't a massive, Massive kid, like I said, I, 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 my height stunned at five mm. nine, so I was about twelve you stone, five nine. <laughs> I know I was kind of gutted though because, like I said, mm. I really wanted to be a goalkeeper. Mm. I learned very quickly to do the scientific style of wrestling. I, I could mm. fly quite well. Mm. Now, when you've got blonde hair and blue eyes in wrestling, and you're young and you're not massive. You've only got one area to go, and that's mm. be the good guy. Mm -hmm. You know, it was uh, Shawn Michaels and Mr. Perfect that really broke broke mm. the mould of, of pretty boys playing the, the villain, yeah, the, the, the heels. Heel, yeah. So, yeah, when I first started, I was a high-flying baby face. And it weren't until I started progressing and started to develop a, a bit more of a body going mm. into the gym and starting putting some weight on and, and that kind of stuff that I started really establishing myself as a mm. heel. Yeah, it's towards the back end... Before going to the US, I established myself as a heel. There's an art form to being a heel mm. because you've got to know your job is to interact 
with the audience and you've got to make them hate mm-hmm. you and you've got to find a, a hook to make it personal so they hate you personally. Mm-hmm. You don't want them to just hate your persona. You want them to hate you. Mm-hmm. And I, I found good ways of mm-hmm. getting my audience to really hate me mm-hmm. and just just doing personal little things yeah. and, and mm-hmm. just constantly nagging at them and just doing little bits and pieces and, and finding opportunist moments to just turn the tide of a match and I, I had these good techniques but constantly letting the audience come and see what I was doing mm-hmm. so when was your first gig was it Southern Lettuce you said or no my, a... my first gig was at the Hollybush mm. on I, I remember the date as well it was March 21st mm. 19, uh, 19, it's 19, <laughs> nothing, 19, nothing. 2013 was my first gig. I'd been to Amsterdam when I was about 18, mm. and there's this surreal story. I, I almost got man raped in oh. Amsterdam. No, seriously, it was, it was quite dramatic at the time. I was 18, I'd went to Amsterdam on my own. I was a naive teenager. Mm. Got myself into a precarious situation in the red light district. Didn't have enough money to buy what he was trying to force me to buy. Mm. And he tried to lead me up an alley. Anyway, I told this story. I, I, I conjured yeah, sure. it up for comedic effect. Sure. I told that story for the first time on stage. And it got some decent laughs within mm. it. And I was just I was just hooked. I was just like, I can't believe I've mm. done that. I've stood up on stage. There's just me, mm. a light and the audience and this microphone. And mm. yeah, I haven't needed to body slam anybody to get a reaction <laughs> no, you know, no, but, that comes later yeah um, liberating yeah that's yeah. exactly the mm. word I was looking for it was, it was so liberating mm. and I knew I didn't have to rely on another act coming up here to make me look good and mm. I didn't need to be up there to make someone else look good mm. obviously you start figuring out when you're at a proper comedy night, you need to make one another look good. Mm. So it is a team effort. But when you first look at it from a performance aspect, mm. it's, it's so such a naked medium. And mm. I, I know most of your listeners are going to be comedians and they mm. understand and they appreciate that. Mm. But, but when... You, sorry, you saying it's a team effort is like, no one has ever said that like on this show yet, like it's a team effort. You get, I get it with the compare, the opening acts, the middle spots need to do their, pull their weight. The MC has to really be on it as well and really right. make let do me, the best let me let me throw this at you come on okay you're at a new new material night yeah okay and you've got a tv comic coming in to road test mm. his or her new show she's you know or he is currently writing their show and then the comic that goes on beforehand does their a game and that TV name has now got to follow that. Has that comedian then done the right thing according to the show? Or have they done the right thing only by them? Oh, that's a difficult, that's a difficult question. I think that... This is, this is why I've really mm. started looking at this. If you're at a new material night and you're running out tried and tested just to make yourself look good, you're doing that for self. Now, I don't, I don't want to sound big-headed here, and I don't, I don't want to sound egotistical, but what I'm trying to say is, you know, it all works together mm-hmm. in regards to making one another look good. Mm-mm. If you're a middle spot, and you're literally just getting your your first middle, and you're doing everything to outshine the headliner, yeah, okay, the headliner, first of all, should should bring their A game. Mm. I, I get that, and I appreciate that. Mm. However... If, if that middle spot mm. is trying to outshine 
the headliner. When it's the headliner that's bringing bums on seats and paying the paycheck, all of a sudden we've got to start weighing up teamwork yeah. on the show, right? Mm, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that idea on a new material night for sure. But on a on a paid night, which everyone's got to bring their A game, fuck it. Look, I've got to, I've got to shine as much as I can. Look, it's so hard to get noticed in any way, any way these days. That headliner has got to bring his A game. In fairness, though, I'll maybe retract a bit of that because I'll say this: you can only you're only competing with yourself because you're only competing as best as you can be. You're not competing with the other person. They are the best they can be, and I am the best I can be most times I can be you know we're only human you know but it's like that headliner with experience they have should be better than the middle spot anyway but that's how it shuffles sometimes and I think that you need to keep pushing that so everyone steps up to the challenge you know I mean I'm sure I may, I, maybe I'm a, maybe I'm a prick then <laughs> maybe I'm a prick but okay in that case Martin you got to think no, I'm, I'm no not, wait wait listen I'm, wait, not, wait. I'm not saying you're wrong no, no, we, no, no I'm I know not. it's a debate it's a really yeah, interesting yeah. T- subject but it's like it's like with that it's like the MC then right the MC should only be okay, okay then right? right no no I'm I'm not, I'm not saying that either you know as you s- structure a, a routine you sure. usually start with with your strong stuff and you finish with your strong stuff and mm. You know, everything else goes in the middle. Mm-hmm. And that's the idea of how a comedy night should be. Mm. You've got your opening act. Good. You've got your headliner. Great. Yeah. The middle spot goes in the middle because that's the person that's more easily forgettable. As long as you begin and you end because that is predominantly mm. what the audience remember. Mm. But I, th- I think, again, it all comes down to a team effort. As a middle spot, is your job to make yourself look good, to get credit for it, to gain followers from it, to gain respect from it? Or is your job there to actually make the headliner look good? You've got to bring the best jokes you've got. I don't think you're competing. I've heard a lot of people say, oh, I've got to knock the headliner off his perch sort of thing to make sure I get booked. Not necessarily. You've got to remind whoever booked you that you're funnier than the clip they saw. That's what I feel. You're funnier than the clip that they saw because they booked you. They might have taken a chance. You might have thought, okay, that's an okay clip. Let's book this person and see how they go. And you've got to show, I'm funnier than that clip. I'm better than that now. Better than the previous copy of me that you've seen. Don't think you're competing with the headliner because the headliner doesn't give a shit because he's already getting paid more than the, the middle spot anyway. The middle spot might not even get paid. Absolutely. So headliner's walking out there with 200 quid. No matter if you did better than him or worse than him, you're just looking to the future and trying to get paid. The headliner's already set wherever they go. They don't need the, the kudos of winning the night. Because you've seen headliners sometimes really struggle when the, the, the previous people have, have done well. And it happens to everyone. We all get like, oh shit, the previous acts have done, they've absolutely smashed it. And then the headliner's gone up and gone, oh, well, I'm going to claim this fucking back and take this to the bank because I am the headliner. And they've swaggered up there with that much confidence that they've totally ruined their act because they've oversold themselves. Why don't you just sit back and, and ha- sit in that, in that moment of like, I know I'm good at this. You know, you're the headliner. You should be fucking... You're getting paid for this, you know? Just relax. You've already, more likely already got your money. Uh, yeah, so I think that the headliner should just relax if, the, he- if the, op- the open spot's done well. Address it. Fuck, he was good, wasn't he? And then carry on doing your shtick, whatever it is. You know, that, do you know what I mean? Would, like, and, and then go... Because you acknowledge you're going, not fr- I'm not afraid of that guy. I'm the one that's... He's get, he, like, he even say it. Oh, he did well, didn't he? He's not getting paid. I'm getting paid. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Fuck it. I'm the one getting paid. So, one, so he did all that for nothing. What that. we've got, we've got, we've got one side here going for teamwork. Yeah. We've got one side here for 
It's all about self. Mm. Uh, make yourself look mm. good at all costs. Yeah, yeah. And 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 these are the two arguments we got. So we can find out now who is the team player here, guys. It, it, would you, would would you rather be on a bill with me, or End would the you podcast. rather be That's it. Podcast on, on a bill <laughs> with Winter? <laughs> well, now who would win in a fight? Well, There's only one way to find depends out. Depends on which one is closing. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. We can swap around. I see the two the two sides of that coin, and I I definitely think that the gigs that you're talking about that you will be in the middle for you're in the middle because you want to remind them that you're funny to get booked for the whatever spot you're looking for you know what i mean um am am i am i going to hold anything back Hmm. during that middle spot well if i held anything back i'd look I'd look like a very, very poor open spot, wouldn't I? Exactly. What's um, the point of that? So exactly. So I'm not. I'm not going to hold anything back, but I'm not. I'm not going to do anything that's going to jeopardise mm. the headliner. In other words, if if they're let's say their their closing joke is X. Oh, right. right. Oh, do you mean really fucking? Yeah. Shit, I mean. Yeah. Oh, you mean, yeah. You mean you mean be malicious about this? I mean, not do the. You go. You you kind of see someone that you know who's closing go. Oh, they do a bit about trains. Say, mm-hmm. oh, I'll do my bit about trains because it's a killer bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, and then it'll just dilute the headliner's bit about trains. There we go. Mm, that, now that is malicious. That's malicious. But you know, it depends on how much gear you've got, isn't it? Really, you know, that's it. it depends on how much gear you have to to, to play with, and you but, go again. You know. It's a team effort. If that is mm. your strongest bit, and let's say it's it's headliner's middle bit, who gets the right to choose that? See, now this is where teamwork goes on first. In in retrospect, you're absolutely right. In in fact, I'm going to mention Dan Mayo. Shout out to Dan. I'll tell you what, that kid has improved so Mm. much over the last couple of years. Mm. He's he's got a lovely bit about holiday camps. Mm -hmm. I've got a lovely bit about holiday camps. Mm. Now, the thing is, if he goes on first and does his holiday camp bit, Mm. unfortunately, it ruins my bit Mm. because one of my little middle innuendo, or not innuendo jokes, but like a little avenue Mm. joke, is the name of the holiday camp that he talks about. Mm. Now, if he goes on first, they already see my joke coming. Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay, however, I can go on and do my bit and then he can follow on after that and yeah. do his bit. And then all of a sudden, it, it's fresh with, with a word I've mentioned. And he can yeah. make it look as in mm. as if, oh, look, yeah, I'm just kind of spontaneous coming off that one word of the bit. And mm. this is my... And it looks so nice. We can't do it the other mm. way around. Mm. Uh, we, it's happened, mm. and my joke fell flat. And it's oh. like... Meh. That's because it. he'd he'd been on first, Man. but we've got two. We've both got two lovely bits about holiday mm. parks. But like, I think that comes from your your wrestling background as well. Do you want to make every every? It's a team thing, you know, and you're trying to keep it all flowing and in in, in you know in sequence and and just going well. Because otherwise, because I'm not from that. I'm I'm from the outsider sort of school that kind of goes. No, I'm fucking always been the outsider. <laughs> Fuck those guys. They'll never be my friends. You know. So that's that's where I. But not that I would deliberately do like do a joke that someone else has got because mm-hmm. you know it's when you gig with the people enough I know what you mean you go uh, you know you do you do see people when you gig with people a while they start to pick up bits uh, not maybe not intentionally but I've seen like I don't know I did a fringe show a while ago, like a like I did a 200 a while back and this person doesn't do comedy anymore but I saw them start to mimic one of my bits 
and it was really similar. It was I was like, that's my bit. You're doing my bit mm-hmm. because it was a good bit, and I was like, okay, fine, but like, come on, you know, don't you can't you see that that is nearly a a, a carbon copy of what I'm doing, and, and it doesn't work. <laughs> but you know I was like why are you trying to compete with that Do you write your own bits but I know what you're saying it's one of those things yeah I think that it's a massively debatable subject but like so you did your first gig in the Holly Bush right and I was like okay so yeah I've done I've done the, uh, the story thing. about Amsterdam okay and and the performance of, of that I've done, I've done some really really kind of Horrible hacky jokes about uh, Oscar Pistorius as well. Oh, that was right. quite fresh at the time, mm-hmm. uh, and I'd actually, I, in my opinion, e- even looking now, I'd actually wrote quite a, a nice contrived joke mm. about the situation. Uh, I, in fact, Jim, I'm, I'm going to share it anyway, whether mm. you like to or not. Yeah. Uh, the the joke was Oscar Pistorius shot his shot his girlfriend, and it's it, 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 it's kind of harsh, mm-hmm. you know. No one expected that, but I can kind of relate mm. to him. Because his girlfriend should never ever have suggested his next challenge be dancing on ice. Mm. I love that line. Mm. Mm. And that was one of the first jokes I'd ever wrote. Mm. That was in the original mm. set. But it's hack. Mm. Oh, it's hack. Everyone has these. Absolutely. Like, like, everyone has these jokes like this. You can't get away from them. You've got to get them out of your system. You, you do. Exactly. You've got to, like, it's like all the kind of moves you make, maybe even, even with wrestling as well, or any, any sort of skill. You're going to have some terrible... Uh, attempts. I'm sure that. I mean, okay, right. We're going to compare ourselves to Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo. I mean, I'm sure there were some horrendous sculptures he made at the beginning. You know, kind of like, um, well, it's uh, it's David. Is it? Is it really? Look at the state of that fucking thing. You know, it, I'm like, oh, I've broken his penis off again. Oh, I just can't seem to get the penis right. I mean, he must have made some horrendous penises at this time, isn't it? You know, I mean, like, it was like, <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, that was way too big. Oh, no one's ever going to believe this. This is, come on, it's slightly exaggerated. Come on, there, you know. So it's like, but it must, it must, you know, as you go, like, you just you make some terrible mistakes, and and that's that's where it starts, isn't it? Absolutely. And you start to get more self-aware, and hopefully, hopefully, the arrogance and the validation doesn't go to your head and you start to separate that from what the art of yeah no absolutely well <laughs> as you know most of my materials clean 90 100 mm, yeah. of my materials mm. clean there's mm. there's usually a, a hacky edge to it um in in regards to i might slander certain social or groups and i need to get out of that habit mm. most of my materials clean for that to happen it's exactly the same with the writing process mm. You've got to get the swears. You've got to get the sexual innuendos. Mm. You've got to get the the smut out first on paper, and then once all of that's on paper, it's like now I can start writing. Mm. But you have to because the childish kid in us all mm-hmm. wants to write the sexual innuendo because mm-hmm. it's funny. Mm. So we, we've got to write the <laughs> fart jokes, you know, the toilet humour, and mm. we have to get all of that out of our system. Mm. And then it's sit down and we can start writing mm. jokes. I mean, you do the Christian circuit as well, don't yeah, you? Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, like, I've been doing that now for the best part of 18 months. And Did you cynically go, right, I'm going to write all clean jokes? Or did you start from the very beginning writing clean no, jokes? No, because I, I, I am a Christian. Mm. Uh, I started initially just doing, Yeah, I had a, a couple, like I said, a couple of hacky, terrible jokes. Mm. But my aim was always to keep it clean. So no, no swearing, no sexual references. Unfortunately, I veered off probably about 12 months in because you, comedians, when, when you start running out of material and you start writing new stuff and you start second-guessing and then you start writing 
you, you start pandering to mm. audiences because you start writing stuff that you think the audience wants to hear. Mm. And you're not true to yourself. And I started veering off and I wrote... I wrote this five-minute bit about love, honey. And I, and I love... Even now, I love the bit, but I refuse to do it. The ethics of the actual bit are standby because I don't believe that that type of commercial should be on the TV. Mm. Yeah, we, we are in a liberal society, but, you know, if you're into that kind of thing, people know exactly where to buy it. They don't need a mm. TV commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just seems as if we've gone too far liberal mm. in regards to... Yeah, the, the, all these things are all readily available to us. Just because they're readily available to us doesn't mean to say that they have to ram these things down our throat. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> sex toys. Good gag, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's how the bit started, yeah. unfortunately. I just couldn't resist dropping mm. that in. It's really me subverting the ideology of having a mail-order company mm. of sex toys been on the tv mm-hmm. and it, it, it offends me even mm-hmm. now it offends me you know mm. I've, I've got teenage kids do i want my teenage kids they they don't need it in their in their face if, if they choose to go there in that direction i mean mm. you know we've all we're all sexual beings we're all sexual beings and we all need to be sexually satisfied mm. but at 15 years old do, do they need to mm. see that do they, yeah exactly there's, there's already enough of it, enough of it they'll get enough of it so. I mean look when they hit college or whatever um, it is there'll be I mean, plenty of that this is why you know England won the war right so they so, so <laughs> you seem to be in Germany right it is everywhere, everywhere isn't it it's like it's like morning breakfast oh just okay yeah, then. what is that all oh. beautiful thing I love about Holland because one of the most liberal countries in mm. the world sex is just a thing I mean it is just a thing Right, and their rights of teenage pregnancy, their rights of uh, rape, child abuse, all, all things of that nature mm. that are really horrible against humanity. Mm. And the Netherlands have got one of the lowest rates. They don't have teenage pregnancies. They don't have unwanted pregnancies mm. because it's it's a natural thing that they're brought up with from such a young age because mm. it's in their face. Um, that they, they don't have the issues that we do. I know. I, just, <laughs> I can't so, help it. I'm I can't. So help, I don't do innuendos. So Unfortunately, you can't help it when you're around winter. That wasn't you. Was uh, that was my I fault. Know, that was my I know. Fault. I know. <laughs> I know. It's all good because it, yeah, it's like now, right? Like because everything is is PC. It's subverting every kind of racism mm-hmm. or or um, sort of discontent that people have with other races or or whatever thing they just hate. They you you can't hate that person or you can't hate that thing about some sort of culture. Pushes underground. I'm not saying because everyone's a little bit prejudiced in any way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the, so it sends it underground so it comes up somewhere else. It's like trying to cr- control some sort of anger. If you push it down somewhere, it'll come up somewhere else. You yeah, don't know where absolutely. it's going to come up. And this is what my show's about. Mm. The show tip tonight. Um, because of how I've, I've... A lot of the jokes that I've wrote, they're edgy, but, you know, it's all tongue-in-cheek. Mm. And it's, you know, one joke is all right with one audience. Mm. However, another joke, oh, no, 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 you can't go there. And it's interesting how our prejudices lie. I believe that we're all in a stage of white guilt in all areas of life it's you know we've we've got this this white guilt complex going on that you know everybody needs protecting it mm. might not be these people because we don't care about these mm-hmm. people, but these people, mm. oh, they need protecting. Mm. You can't say jokes about that. Oh, but you can do a joke about this. And all mm. of a sudden then it's we're, we're pigeonholing. That's what my show's about. It's the whole contrast of 
what is right, what is wrong, how often do we try our best to be as liberal as possible, mm. but we'll slip up in a certain area mm. because you're exactly right. It's mm. which hole is the gopher going to come out of next? Mm. You know, and you're trying to block all the holes, but the the more you try and push and, and coax, another hole pops up. Mm. And I think you're absolutely right. I think it, you bang on the button. You could, everyone's trying to give voice to those people. But no, those people can shut the fuck up. We don't want to hear about that. They've had enough voice. You shut up. You you get back in your box. Oh, but we want a voice too. But we, what, what, isn't everyone equal? No, you've had your fucking time. This person has to talk now. Can we all talk together? No, we can't all talk together. No, because you're no. ginger. Yeah. <laughs> it's all, it's all <laughs> fucking stupid. It's Just, so stupid. Exactly. It's like we're all human beings, you know, and it's even saying that people will probably be like, Oh, well, this person totally doesn't understand it. No, I said, oh, no, I just, I'm seeing it both sides. I'm kind of, mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm not like bitter about the situation. I'm just like, well, that's how people. It, but it's amazing it. how mm. bitter other people are, though. Mm. Oh, you, you can't do, you can't do that joke. Yeah. Well, I'll reword it. Yeah, but we'll all know that you still mean this. So, okay, I, I won't do that joke. Shall I swear in the act? Oh, yeah, that's fine. Where is your moral compass? Mm. Oh, okay, you can talk about. No, no, mm. no. This is this is exactly what my whole show's about. Is mm. you know what's acceptable in t- today's standards? What. Mm. If, if we're gonna if we're gonna be completely politically correct, mm. we can't talk about anything. Maybe maybe I'm pushing that too far, right? Maybe mm. maybe that's just my experience and yeah. my stand going. Oh, that's me being petty. But let's be honest. Yeah. It's, like, um, it's like if you like oranges, I don't like oranges. I'm sorry, we can't. What have you that. got against oranges? Uh, my, 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 my my parents, my, my, my dad was run over by an orange yeah. truck or something, or you know, dad was allergic to oranges. He died choking on a piece. Of, you know, it's just so because mm-hmm. you you're right. I mean, okay, well, that is a massive exaggeration for whatever it is. It does become ridiculous if you if you take it everything out of context. Everyone, everything's a trigger. Every single thing. It's like well, we know the old thing. It's like oh, talk about herpes. Well, one of my best friends, dad, dad, dad of her, well, whatever it is. Can't, can't, some, can't, 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 can't talk about herpes. Oh, I have herpes. Oh, <laughs> oh, do you? Okay, well, we should shut up then. Fucking hell, this is it. You know, it's so silly, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And if someone go, I remember, I think I did a really shit joke about ages ago about herpes and. And uh, someone in the crowd went, Ugh! I was like, what the fuck? Have you, do you, ha-? I was thinking, like, do you have herpes? Why are you, what? don't be hate. It's an, they didn't want to get herpes. It's just one of these things. Sometimes it's transmitted when you're born. So um, you're doing your show, right? You did your gigs. But why did you start doing comedy? I, after wrestling, I went to seminary school to do preaching, to do live preaching. Right. You know, after you've taken 15 years of being battered around the ring, there's an innuendo. <laughs> um, that was deliberate. I know that. No, know when, that. You, when, yeah, you, when you've... Oh, when it you've, was. I mean, when, I, you, <laughs> when, when your rings took a... I mean, when you've been battered around the yeah, ring yeah. Uh, for 15 years mm. and you've spent so much time on the road, mm. I started missing it. I'd, I've let my body go. I'm sure you can, you can vouch to your listeners uh, if you don't know me. And and I was thinking, man, if I want to get back into wrestling, it's going to take me at least a year and a half, mm. two years to get back into physical shape. So uh, I'm not a danger to myself. I'm not a danger to anyone in the ring. Mm-hmm. But because I think there's nothing worse than seeing a, somebody that don't put the effort in, not just in the ring, but getting themselves fit. There's nothing worse than seeing an unfit wrestler. I used to be one of those unfit wrestlers to a mm. point of, it was like, oh, I don't want to put... You, you know, it's like comedy. Mm, oh. There's the performance, there's the stage work, but you've also got to do the writing work. But you've got a shit and MC. They've got you've a got a terrible MC, But they've right? got to go hand in hand. Yeah. No, 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 right. nothing to do with an I'm MC. Sorry. 
Right, they go hand in hand. You've yeah. got to do one and the other. Sure, okay. And it's the same with wrestling. Mm. You've got to do the gym work mm. and you've also got to do the performance mm-hmm. work. They go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. You can have the best wrestling moves in the world, but if you don't look like a wrestler, no one's going to believe them. And it's this, exactly the same. You could have the greatest gags in the world, but mm. if you've got no performance skills, if you've got all performance skills and no jokes, then you, you're just a theatrical... Mm performer aren't you yeah yeah that's it an actor exactly so Mm. they both go hand in hand I was like it's going to take two years to get back to a decent level of fitness for me to just not be a liability to (laughs) anyone my mum had bought me tickets for John Bishop I I love John Bishop even even Mm. now fantastic comic and so me, me and my wife went to see John Bishop at the NIA in Birmingham and I was like after about an hour I was like I want to do this this mm. is this is my midlife crisis mm. this is what I can do I don't I don't have to be body slammed I don't have to take pile drivers um, mm. <laughs> yeah I, I don't have to go through the surreal and wonderful world of wrestling and the gym anymore uh, I, can, I, I can do this and then the more you start putting uh, comedy under a microscope and you start realising that the industries are so very similar you've mm. got You've got promoters, you've got booking agents, you've got to go to this place and that place, and you've got little independent comedy clubs, you've got big comedy clubs, you've got, you know, world tours, and it's like the whole industry is identical you know, without the spandex. Mm. Unless, of course, you, you prefer mm. to wear spandex, which, mm. you know, that's obviously optional. There's, there's a mask comedian as well, isn't there, uh, who just wears the mask and just goes... <laughs> Like topless and just has the the Mexican wrestling mask on. That's it. I, I don't know this. But right. I need to check this out. Yeah, check it out on the internet. He does this. Uh, Fantastic. He does the Moose Moose uh, like ninety seconds when he just spends all his ninety seconds gyrating at Hills <laughs> Diego. It's hilarious. It's really good. It's really good. He's like, oh, I'm gonna get through. What? And he's like just gyrating for her in front of her, and giving it loads. Good, sorry, good. Yeah, so sorry. The world saying... needs more of that, if mm. I'm honest. So you, you um, were, and you were like, you were saying that, yeah, you, so you did so, it because of yeah. The, it, I mean, it was physical shape. You had to. You, you thought, right, this is what I want to do. This is my midlife crisis. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> no, that's, that's Even, absolutely I right. I, I had my no. I had mm. my midlife crisis early, mm. uh, and I was like, I really need to do something. I need a release, mm. and and comedy become my release and it was like do I have anything important to say no probably not but mm. I do like making people laugh I, d- I do like the, the the traveling I like going here there and everywhere I like to get away I like to get out of my own mind mm. not not like that but you know as in take a break from your own mind mm. take a break from the reality mm. and the the monotony of life and and just spend your time in in good company mm. of, of comedians mm. that will take you on an interesting journey mm. if you let them. So it was like, I wonder if I can do this. Mm. I wonder if there's enough, if if I've got enough stories or mm. bits and pieces to be able to kind of construct together in a comedic art form or make some of my wrestling stories interesting, mm. humorous. And... The answer to the wrestling is no. I, I, it's took me the best part of four years. Mm. I think what had happened is I took wrestling so seriously that even now I find it difficult to find the funny in it. So what I'm, I'm starting to learn is you've got to take the things mm. and you need to make them funny. Mm. You need to put a slant on it. You need mm. to 
come at it from a comedic angle. You need to tackle it from a comedic angle. And that's what I'm learning to do mm. now. I totally get that. But it's like the, the the wrestling thing. So you're like, you had to give up punishing your body. And now you're like, no, fuck that. I'm going to punish my mind for the next Yeah, years. yeah, there that's you great. go. That's what needs to take a hammering now. Have you got, like, siblings and stuff as well? I've got... Uh, it's, I, don't, I don't want to ruin too much of the book. But okay. I want to give little bits away. Yeah, I've, uh, I've got a, an older sister... Mm. Uh, and I've got two younger brothers mm. and a younger sister. Did they do the same thing with, like, did they do wrestling? No. Did, no, they're not no, into that at all? No. no performance or anything like that? My my older sister, um, she she done little bits of sort of, like, theatrical dance and that kind mm. of stuff. But, no, she's she went and joined the army at the age of, I think she was 18, 19. Mm. Yeah. Um, she's been in the army ever since. Mm. She's five years older than me, so she's, what, 44? Mm. 44. Mm. There you go. She's 44 and still in. Godspeed to her, mm. you know what I mean? Your old, your old man, is he still around her? Yeah, my my old man's younger than my mum. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> 21 years younger. Wow. Um, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did say that. Mm. I said that quite loud as well. <laughs> um, my dad evidently was quite old looking for his age mm. and was going to the same folk my mum used to be a folk singer right um so that that's where the performing bit comes from my mum mm. used to be a folk singer my dad was attending the folk club met me mum my mum mm. thought he was older mm. they got together my dad swallowed my mum's birth control pills with a bottle of sour mash whiskey right and uh, i was conceived there you wow. go that's that's my my dad's origin legacy. story. That's your origin story, that's, isn't it? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> they tried Wolf, to stay Wolf, safe. Wolverine, yeah. you know, was uh, yeah. was you know, uh, adamantium was it? The, yeah, the metal. Right. Yes, yeah. right. me. Mm. I, I was born on birth control pills and southern comfort. Yeah. Look, that's an interesting mix. That's an inter- that's a cocktail and a half, isn't it? Wow. Do you do you play guitar as well? Uh, I do a little bit. Yeah, my mum sort of taught me. I was about 13 when I was like, oh, I want to do this. Mm. And so my mum taught me three chords. Oh, yeah. And then I got into Metallica when oh, I was yeah. 15 and learnt, learnt one more chord to play mm. up and down mm. on two different strings. And that, that was all I needed to, to get me by. So, yeah, I played a little bit. I was in a punk band when I was 18. What's the name of it? Uh, it was called Sovereign. Uh, after the cigarettes. What a name for a punk band. Uh, yeah. It was great. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. We talk about you were a preacher. You were trying to be a, a Yeah, yeah. A I, uh, I, I am not fully qualified. Right. However, I am very, very experienced pulpit minister. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I have been for just as long as my comedy, so mm. about three and a half years. Amazing. Yeah, and yeah. And do, do you do it regularly? Probably once a month, twice a month, depending Ooh. Depending on the road, that's an hour, right? An hour of yeah, living. yeah. You got to know your yeah. stuff up there, right? You got to really. I I sneak in lots of my material. Oh, in do. fact, I get some material mm. from it every so often. Amazing. So. That's great. There's yeah, a lot of yeah. uh, vicars on the circuit as well. Oh, the rule of three. I mm. mean, vicars love the rule of mm. three. I mean, seriously. Mm. And you know your intonations and rhythm, your, your, your mm. delivery rhythms, mm. exactly the same. And and I think they they kind of. They do complement each other. In mm. fact, there was another podcast I'd listened to once where they were saying they were listening to a, a, a preacher on, on the radio and it was like, oh, they're using the same rhythms as mm. a comedian. It's, it's exactly the same. I actually thought about that and went, mm. you know, they're absolutely right. Illustrate, illustrate. Best story Get to for the, the point. end. A big emotional nice twist. bit. Yeah. There you go. What, what, Make them cry. What's the twist? What's Dad 
Dad doesn't die in the end of this one. The, the son dies in this, so it's the opposite of a son, show. Yeah, that's son dies. exactly. But technically, they're the same person. So maybe the same person. Die. And he does come back to live. He does, live. yeah. So it's a happy end. Comes, comes back to life yeah. and uh, starts teaching them uh, mm. and preparing them for the day of Pentecost. I mean, mm. that is a fringe show. You know, but when you're, oh, I was when I got it, like when I was when I went to Catholic school and stuff. And when, like, you're... Did they do the same thing when you're, like, you're up, down, kneeling, up, standing? No. Kneeling. And oh, this it's is... so annoying. Right. It's, when when oh. I come back home, because I, I, I didn't grow up as a Christian at mm. all. I didn't really start understanding Christianity until I went to America, because mm. it's, it's mm. big business over there. When I come back, I started looking for, for a church for, for me. Mm. And I went to Catholic Mass, mm. and, and I saw how regimented mm. they are, and I was like... Now I can't can't mm. dig, mm. I can't dig religion on that aspect, mm. you know. And I was like, nah, can't mm. do that mm. because you you saw people that were constantly going, and they were already getting prepped and primed in place, sit, kneel, stand mm. before the, the the father and the the reverend had already said anything. And yeah. I was like, you guys have been trained, yeah. you guys are like circus animals, mm. and I wish you could see. It from where I'm sitting right now. I hope I haven't offended anybody, but... Got one knee up. One, I always had one knee yeah, up. One, yeah. one, 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 just, kinda... just to make sure. I was doing the T-bow. <laughs> <laughs> Hack and prayer. That's it. Just um... in case. You know, you can't... You know, I'm thinking... I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking, why? Why am I here? That's what it is, isn't it? <laughs> so you're you're continuing to test out your... Uh, and polish your show, right? Yes. Tonight. And you're, write, you're writing your book. Yes. And is the show Tip Tonight can be taken to the Fringe next year? I'm I'm hoping it's going to the Fringe this year. I've okay. put my application in and I'm, I'm just waiting. Because I'm only looking to do two weeks this mm, year rather right. than a full run. Yeah. And I know that the free fringes are booking up mm-hmm. in regards to full runs at the moment. Mm. So I'm, I'm hoping I'll, I'll get something out of it. If, if not, then I'm hoping that... Um, the world doesn't end, and I get an opportunity to do it next year. Yeah, I but so. I really want to do it this year. What's the biggest high of the last couple of years? Or the, I'll start with the biggest low first, because I like to finish. With yeah, yeah, of course, of course. The biggest low. Biggest, biggest low was... I'm one of these that don't really let depression get the better of me. Mm. I, I, you know Millikan's Law? You know Millikan's mm-hmm, Law, don't mm-hmm, you? You know, uh, if yeah. a gig's gone bad... By 11 o'clock. Well, usually it's by 11 o'clock that night. I've kind of got rid of it. Mm. It's when I have a good gig, I hold mm. on to those. Mm-hmm. And that's that's becoming that's becoming my biggest problem. But low, lowest point's really, really hard for me to, to kind of put a finger on. I'm, I'm going to say lowest point in the last two years. That's, that one's difficult. Mm. I'm, I'm guessing going having to go home from Edinburgh early because of having an infection in my foot. What, what, what happened? I, you was there. This, oh, is, this was the first fault, year. No, it wasn't your fault. Um, I, I was walking around for mm. way too many hours mm. with wet socks. I hadn't looked after my feet right. and ended up with an infection in my, in my toe. I didn't deal with it. The infection started tracking up my leg. Whoa. And oh, yeah. the third day I was in such a mess mm. that I was with... In fact, I was with you. I was mm. with Jay Islam. Yeah. And uh, Jay Islam's like, I think you need to go to the hospital. Definitely. I mean, to a point, I couldn't walk because the top of my leg had swelled that much yeah. that it was... 
I remember you yeah. sitting down in the basement, that basement room. Man. Yeah, yeah, at the Jekyll and Hyde. Oh man, yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I was, I was in a bad mess, um, and they, they so I went yeah. to Edinburgh Royal Infirmary, and um, they were like, "Look, if we can't, if we can't get this mm. infection to stop tracking, mm. then you, we're gonna have to." do some procedures and mm. I was like please don't take my toe mm. I want my toe I like mm. my toe I like five toes mm. and just so happened my body responded to the uh, mixture of antibiotics and uh, this uh, this this acidy stuff that's yeah. in this antibiotic to stop the Oh yeah, now it was Edinburgh is serious sometimes, I'm, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a big because that was my first Edinburgh. Mm. That was eye opening, and mm. then the following year I, I looked after myself a bit mm. better. And so yeah, that that's probably the low point, but it's right. kind of just outside the two year remit. Right. So Mm-mm-mm. yeah, so let's mm. go two and a half years. That was the lowest that's, point. That's good enough. I mean, like you yeah, don't yeah. lose a, a limb. I mean, no, like, no, you no, know, no. Not if, not if Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's a lot of walking goes on in Edinburgh. You want all your toes. So the biggest high, biggest high. There's two, Edinburgh 2015. Working mm. with Patrick Monaghan, mm. that was so good. And very recently was doing rough works at the Glee New Material mm. Night with Sarah Millican, mm. which was just it was, it was such an experience, and it's it, it was just it was awesome. Mm. That's I think that's the best. I was in total awe, mm. and it was it was just so good. It was so nice. The Glee, if you've not played there, um, the studio room is one of the nicest rooms uh, I've played in the world. You know, mm. and that, that goes with some of the, the wrestling arenas that I've mm. played. But yeah, I, I love that place. Cool. And uh, I'm going to dine out on that for probably Excellent. another 18 months. <laughs> <laughs> self-esteem popping and like Joe tracking up like. yeah yeah and okay right now where can we come see you in the next in the next year you're going to go Fringe are you doing any other festivals as well yeah I'm, I'm planning on doing Nottingham and Birmingham again this year mm. all my concentration at the moment is getting on getting to work on this book mm. I've only just finished the first chapter I've, I've only been working on it for a best part of six days mm. i'm sitting down with one of my old wrestling buddies mm. me and him started together mm. uh, we're sitting down on friday so i can collaborate all the information for chapter two as soon as chapter two's written the next nine chapters will pretty much write themselves because it's it's still quite fresh but it's the second chapter is the early early days where I've I've started wrestling training and there's little bits and pieces I'm, I'm not too sure about so I really wanted to collaborate as much information because it's the one that's more foggy and mm. than than all the others it's a bit cloudy mm. should we say as in like okay you should see what you should put in and what you shouldn't put in yeah, right that's, that's I get it. you that's cool man that's great so what's the name of that book again the proposed title right. is poison an infectious adventure cool. of a professional wrestler. Right, cool. I'm hoping that that will be ready by Fringe Excellent. 2018. Can have a little bit of merchandise. On the yeah, that's, that's, the that's the plan. That's the plan. That's great, man. Like, where can we find you? Like, uh, yeah, I've got website? a website www.martinhuburn.com. That's H-U-B-U-R-N. That's, com. It, that's great was it, well I hope I see you at the fringe this year man likewise Martin Huber thank you for coming on the comedy effect winter man. you've been ice man awesome. thanks for having me thanks man it's been great and that was Martin Huber for episode 39 I hope you enjoyed that one guys like it share it comment tell your friends about it go find Martin on Facebook go follow him on Twitter go see him live he's touring his hour show 
called Tip Tonight. And he's also writing his biography about being a professional wrestler called Poison, an infectious adventure. Go check that out too. You can follow us on Twitter. We're there at The Comedy Defect. You can follow me at Winter Fonander. Come see my live stand-up gig dates, which I'm previewing my Edinburgh show called Tolerance. And the dates for that will be on my website, which is winterphonander.com. Website is being upgraded by friend of the podcast, Danny Clives. He's on it. It's going to be amazing. Can't wait to see that. You can also see the jokes that I've gleaned from the Guinness Encyclopedia. They're on Twitter under the heading the book dad read and the handle for that is at guinness jokes i'm on page 70 nearly hit the 100 hey i'm getting there guys you can also help us keep the lights on by supporting this podcast by going to patreon typing in the comedy defect podcast you can donate as little as a pound or as much as you think this podcast is worth because those of you that do donate thank you very much because you're paying for the people that can't thank you look if you can't donate guys just share like retweet Comment about your favourite episode because it tells people where we are and what we're doing. But that's it for now for the Comedy Defect Podcast. We'll see you next week with a very funny guy for episode 40, Mr. Thomas Rackham.